Howdy folks, welcome to the Fortuna Monsoon Podcast. My name is Chris Franks, and I'm sitting on my back porch in Austin, Texas, sipping on a little mezcal. I got two dogs next to me, both of them are named Levi, and we're waiting on the first thunderstorm of the season to roll through. Hopefully it will. I do love a good thunderstorm on the back porch. I've got an interview today to share with you. It's me and my friend Ryan Dotson talking about a trip he took down the Yukon River a couple summers back. Uh, It was quite a journey, both from its inception, uh, planning, and uh, get-go from Austin up to the headwaters of the Yukon and down that river all the way through Alaska. And uh, it was a pretty amazing journey. We're not going to mess around. We're going to jump right into the interview because uh, there's a, a lot of it and I want to get right to it. So I hope you enjoy. My name is Ryan Dotson, as you know. Um, I'm currently in San Francisco bartending. Mm-hmm. Before that, uh, in Austin, Texas, for about four years, I just moved here. Um, you know, up two months ago, not even after the, after my trip. So, um, four years in Austin bartending, personal training there. Mm. And then before that in Duluth, Minnesota. Um, and that's where I went to college and kind of finally got out of my small hometown in Northfield, Minnesota, um, where I basically went to middle school, high school, uh, and grew up, uh, out in the country there with my, my mom and stepdad and brother. So small family, mm-hmm. um, went to Duluth where I studied personal training and, you know, that's where I kind of started getting into a lot more outdoorsy things, uh, paddling a lot of rivers, hunting, fishing, you know, I grew up fishing and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, but really going out there, uh, really kind of opened up a lot more doors for me as far as. Uh, the outdoors are concerned because everything was so accessible. Right. Um, yeah, you're right there on the Boundary Waters up there in, in Minnesota. Yeah, Boundary Waters there, Duluth's right on Lake Superior. You have tons of rivers up there, yeah. uh, a lot of public lands for hunting. So Minnesota was a really great place to grow up to do to do things outdoors, and especially when you're like encapsulated in winter for you know seven months out of the year, you really have to take advantage of the summers. So I think right, people right. there get a good appreciation for the outdoors because you're cooped up inside a lot. Or, you know, like I I did, you know, we would snowboard a ton in the winter and people would go snowmobiling or whatever, you know, ice fishing. Yeah. I'm just kind of like, you try, to, you try to bear with it as much as you can. But yeah, that's, I mean, I don't have like a super interesting, you know, back life. My, my, my high school days, uh, you know, obviously were filled with, uh, you know, a little bit of misbehaving and drugs and things like that. But mm-hmm. at, you know, as soon as I was, you know, 18-ish, like just out of high school, you know, I kind of cleaned up my act and moving to Duluth really like gave me a fresh start because mm-hmm. my high school days were were a little bit dark and stuff with, with drugs and things like that. But, mm. you know, I think a lot of people tend to have that in a small town where you, you don't necessarily have a lot to do. So yeah. that was kind of my, my way of kind of breaking the breaking the ice as far as just being able to like get out and right. uh, 
leave leave home and leave that kind of stuff in the past. Yeah, kind of move on and, and start to create a new life. Yeah. Mm. Wow, that's cool. Um, so so you moved to Duluth, and I guess it, yeah, it sounds like you already had a a healthy appreciation and interest in the outdoors going on, and and it and it seems that that must have grown um, because whenever whenever we met. Um, you know, I knew that you were planning some type of big adventure. And I think, I think whenever we met, I already knew that you were planning a trip to the Yukon. Is that right? I think so, because I had just, I didn't know, I I didn't meet you before I left to do the PCT. So when I came back, it was, it was just after the PCT. And then, uh, yeah, Yukon was in the works and then maybe even the water safari, but I don't remember when exactly that came up yeah yeah when you don't you don't remember when you kind of got the idea for the yukon or do you oh yeah yeah, yeah. well when, when did that start yukon, to form <clears throat> the yukon formed when i was i was still on the trail i was still hiking the pct and my good buddy reed who i grew up with went to high school with and have stayed really good friends with uh you know throughout everything we've done since mm-hmm. um he met me out there because he was living in Washington. So he met me a couple times out there on the trail and, you know, we were talking and he paddled the Mississippi river in, it must've been like 2013, I think somewhere around there. Okay. Cause I had one year left in school and I really wanted to do, it. I was so jealous. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, Man, I want to do, you know, hiking is really hard and taxing on the body. And I, I loved the right. hike, but I was like, you know, the next trip, you know, I think I want to be in a canoe because I really had, <laughs> Like I had a great appreciation for canoeing mm-hmm. uh, at that point too. I loved to paddle and he actually was the one who suggested the Yukon. And I was huh. like, wow, like people, you know, people do that. Um, I had no idea. And then uh, another girl, Katie, who I had been hiking with, we met a friend of hers who was from Alaska and she had a book um, called um, Paddling the Yukon River. Hmm. Um, and that she loaned that to me. So I, I got to read that after the trail and it just like kind of all, all came together. But yeah, that the, the, the start of that happened while I was still on the trail. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you already had, you already had your next adventure in mind mm-hmm. uh, when you were, when you were still hiking the PCT. That's great. Yeah. absolutely. Wow. Yeah. And so did you hike the entire Pacific Crest trail? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We got uh, Chris Jacobs yeah. and I, uh, we schemed that up. It was, but well, you know, we had some other things in motion, but like that ended up being the thing that we decided on um, to hike the trail mm-hmm. because I had, we, we were originally going to go to Australia because he had gone there and I, he had told me about this trip he did in Australia. And I was like, dude, I, like I want to do that yeah. so bad. Um, but I ended up getting a new job at the time and I was new to Austin and and personal training. And this was a really good, like career opportunity style job. So I, right. I couldn't leave right away. So it was like, all right, like give me, you know, six months or, or more at this new job. And mm-hmm. then that was springtime. And so that's where I was like, okay, the springtime, our lease will be up. It was perfect time for a hike. So right. the PCT kind of got born there, but yeah, we, we got dropped off in the, in the desert, right at the, right at the Mexican U S border in California <laughs> campo. Uh-huh. And then, and then yeah, you hike all the way up through the through the Mojave into the Sierras, you know, Northern California, like high desert, Oregon, just flat forests through the yeah. Cascades, Northern Cascades in Washington, all the way, 
all the way into Canada. Wow. <laughs> that is a heck of a journey. And how many, do you remember how many miles that is? There's like, there's some differing, you know, specifics, but it's about 2,650. I think some say like 2,663, but yeah, we'll just say 2,650. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a, a, that's a heck of a journey to do on foot. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. A good bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how long did it take to do it? It took exactly five months. I started on May wow. 1st, uh-huh. uh, and then I finished September 30th, the la- whatever the last day in September was, I think. Yeah, I think the 30th. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that's a that's a big chunk of time. But, I mean, was it something that, you know, what your mentality on the trail, were you trying to, you know burn up the trail or were you really enjoying it along the way, but making sure you guess, you know, made a good distance? Like what was your, what was your sort of mentality as you were, as you were hiking? That's a great question, man, because I, it definitely changed and I'm so happy it did. I, you know, the the first, I, I'm a little intense. Like I'm in, I'm an intense person when, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to like, I'm competitive, even if it's not with like, just with myself, and so it was like my mentality going out there was like, oh, you know, you got to make miles, right? right? Like you have you have to make your miles. And and part of it is you have to complete this trip in a certain amount of time. Sure. And so going into it, it was like, yeah, it was like kind of all business. It was like, we got to make miles. We got, you know, we don't have time to sit around. So a part of me was like, you know, almost militant about it a little bit and pushing Chris along too, because he wasn't in as good a shape as he could have been. Mm. So I, that added some stress. But then I got hurt because huh. I, I was hiking uh, just too, like too hard, man. And and in the oh. most beautiful spot, this is my, probably my biggest regret on the trail, the John Muir section in the Sierras. Mm. I was hiking with a guy who we both kind of had similar hiking styles where we like to do a lot of miles and we were just fast naturally, mm-hmm. but we were doing like 30 miles a day in the Sierras wow. in a place that was like the most beautiful. Um, and so towards the tail end of that, I think it was the fact that my shoes were really worn down mm-hmm. and there were a lot of elevation gain and loss. And I wasn't, you know, I was just doing too many miles and pushing it too hard. And I ended up getting a stress fracture. Wow. So I like, you know, you meet a lot of people out there and you, you form connections pretty quick. And Chris and I had split up at this point because, you know, I, I just lost him. Like, you know, one day he just didn't show up to camp and like we waited, waited. And then, you know, I just, I, I never saw him again after that, but I was, I was hiking with this guy named Hoots. Uh, and we had been hiking together for, you know, almost, you know, over a month. And that's a long time out there. Cause you spend every day with somebody and yeah. it ended yeah. up, I just, I just woke up one day and I, and I like, couldn't walk. It was mm. excruciating. I was outside of, uh, outside of Tahoe and I still had like a hundred miles left, uh, to get to the next town. And I stuck with it. I, you know, I, I basically just had to soak my foot in every cr- cold Creek and numb it and just wow. kind of hobble wow. along and make it the next few days. But, uh, once I finally got there, you know, it was kind of time to say goodbye to him. And, and it was this small town called Sierra City near like the Yuba. Mm-hmm. I think it actually runs through there. Um, and so it was like kind of a small hiker town. There was, it was like a population of 300 people. Um, they had a general store and some bathrooms and, and a church with a little lawn. So I, I, I pitched my tent in there and I, I had to wait 
three weeks there until it healed, which is an insane amount of time Wow! Yeah. for <laughs> anyone to, to be anywhere. You know, like hikers call them zero days when you have zero miles. So people are like, oh, like, how long have you been here? Two days is like, wow, you've been here for two days. Why, why are you still here? Three days is like, what? You must be waiting for something. I would tell, you know, I was on like 10, 11, 12, wow. up to, tw- you know, wow. I was like, was, and then I, you know, I kept getting stuff sent to me. So I, people brought me crutches. I got a boot sent to me. I had alcohol. Like people would just leave me their alcohol because I had befriend. Every, I was ahead of the pack. So I met everybody coming through wow. and we would wow. just, you know, party and hang out there. And yeah. and then uh, that's kind of where my perspective changes because um, it's not worth it. Like making miles and, and pushing it, it's like, it's not worth it because, mm. you know, you could get hurt and you could never, you, I might not finish and that was really what was worrying me is now time was starting to catch up with me and I wasn't sure that I'd be able to finish and um another guy I had met a long way back in the desert walked through one day the day before I was gonna leave and his name was Gary but at this point his trail name had had become snooze and he lost the people that uh he was hiking with and I was so happy to see him and I I let him know what was up with me and Mm. that I was gonna leave uh, and then, and then, yeah, we hiked out the next day. I had a boot on wow. and, and, and I was like, I'm only doing, you know, just short amount of miles. Mm-hmm. He's, he's like, well, I'm going to do 20, but you'll catch up to me. And, you know, that was kind of the story every day, but he never actually left. Like we, we camped together every night <laughs> and then, uh, he stayed by we, your side. That's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then we ended up finishing the trail together, but, but wow. then our model became, and we met these people is like smiles over miles. Like, yeah do the things that make you like we still made a lot of miles we still crush it but like the things that became important were yeah. no longer like making miles it was like take your eyes up off the trail and really kind of enjoy um enjoy what you're you know what you're doing right because it's it's a spe- it's a special thing to take to take that time out to experience something like that and yeah i mean i think that's that's a a brilliant attitude. That's, that's, that's really great. Um, and, but I, and I know, you know, on the other side, you're, you know, you're trying to finish too, because, you know, you can't take forever to do it. You've got snow, you know, on, on either side, I guess, you know, in the winter and then you got fall coming up. But, but I think that's, I mean, that's amazing that that attitude changed, uh, during the experience. Um, yeah. Smiles over miles. That's really good. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so I guess that's another thing that, you know, I, I knew, I kind of knew about you whenever I met you, because whenever I met you, I, I, I can't remember if Casey introduced us or what, I just knew, you know, you were living with Casey and, um, and I knew you were, you were staying in a, in a really nice soul pad tent in the backyard and <laughs> that, you know, you were, you were saving, you were, you were working as a personal trainer, you were, uh, you were serving and bartending and you were saving your money and planning for this big trip. And I remember thinking at the time, like, you know, this is this, here's this guy who is pretty different than like people I know who have taken big chunks of time out of their, um, you know, I don't want to say regular lives, but they've, they've, they've made space in their lives for big adventures like this. Cause like, you know, not every adult, um, chooses to take five months out of their, um, you know, their year and go do something like this experience that you did. But I knew at the time, like you were, you were planning and orchestrating your next, 
adventure, like, you know, in a way that it was an expedition, you know, and that you knew you were going to take some serious time out for it. You knew you needed to plan and save money. And, you know, and, and you're, you're a very hard worker and you are, you know, you're, a, you're pretty, like you said, you can be, you know, competitive, but I knew you as, I guess, just like a very, like a, a stand up, like, you know, straight laced in the best kind of way, like very straightforward, um, dude who w- was a very hard worker and knew what he wanted to work towards. Um, so yeah, I guess like what, I guess at what point did you, did you feel like, you know, this is something that I want to do in my life. I want to, um, experience these, these places and take some trips, make some special expeditions, you know, that might last, you know, months. Um, at what point did you, did you decide to do that? And I guess like, yeah, like how does that kind of work into your lifestyle? I mean, it, it started with the trail because that was the biggest trip that I had taken right. um, by far. Um, and then that was kind of the point that I realized, you know, you have a lot of time to think to yourself when you do things like that. Anyone who spends a lot of time alone um, will know that, you know, you, you think a lot and you're in your own head a lot. And, and kind of getting away from the city allows you the time to you know, really, you know, put things in perspective and what you want in life. And, and that's kind of what happened to me on the trail. And that was kind of the turning point when I realized, you know, I don't, I don't want this career job. I don't want to just do the things of it. Like at, at some point, you know, I'm, I'm, I understand that I will have to, you know, slow down, but while I'm in my prime, my prime years, mm-hmm. I want to get the most out of it and, and thinking about, Oh, well I'll have time to see things when I retire and this and that. It's like, I won't be able to experience the things that I want to do when I retire because may, my body might not be able to hold up. I can always, right. I can always work and make money when I'm old. Yeah. It's, it goes against what um, is typical for most Americans. But, you know, while I'm in my prime years and I'm in my, in shape and, and things like that, I, you know, I want to get, those things done. And I don't think working is very healthy for us because most people don't really like what they do. If you can find it and you can make a good living at it, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even li- I liked personal training, but at the same time, um, I just I, I think that being out and experiencing the, these things is a lot more important than uh, you know doing doing the regular day job sort of thing. So I, I yeah. think. Uh, that that kind of that was it and then it just snowballs from there it's like if i can do this then you know now i want to do this and now i want to do this and this and this and it's like the list right. is endless so um it just kind of you know it starts with one thing and then you get hooked on it and and that's just that that's all she wrote then if you're if you're right. determined and you and you want it and you want to get after it you know you could say that about lots of lots of different passions um this one just happens to be, uh, you know, adventuring and seeing, seeing different things and testing myself and challenging myself. But I mean, yeah. you could say that for lots of, lots of different things. Sure. Right. No, I, I, I love, I love hearing that. Um, cause it is, it is very, I guess, common, you know, and it's been common, I guess, since, you know, nine to five work weeks and the concept of retirement have, have sort of invaded so much of the world's culture that's um, the status like that's yeah. the status quo that that's just expected now is like right. you go to school, 
you go to college, you get a job, you work and you buy and you try to save up and get by this and this and then try to retire. It's like, you know, that, yeah, that, that's the, and try and, and trying to battle that myself because I tend, I find myself being like, shouldn't I be doing this as I get older? Like, shouldn't I be looking for my career and stability and this and that? But, I, you know, I've found a way to, uh, going back to like living in the tent and things like that. Right. Um, it's not just about saving up for that adventure, but it's saving beyond that. So if, if you can minimize your expenses, it, most, namely like living expenses, because rent is crazy. Right. Uh, if you can minimize those expenses and live very cheaply and you don't own a lot of things you can't afford, you know, I own my, my car, I, I, things I buy, I own them. I don't, I don't right. have any like, I don't pay money. Yeah. So, so you save in surplus and then you take these trips right. and then you you're saving it. So I'm, I am looking at the future when I'm, when I'm, when I'm doing things, but just yeah. in a non-conventional way, I suppose. Right. Well, yeah, I, I would, yeah, like almost like practical in a non-conventional way because I've always, <laughs> I've always considered you very practical, you know, um, like whenever, whenever we started working towards um, doing the Texas water safari and you guys had me on board as your, you know, your follow crew to, to make sure you all had food and water and, you know, checked in at all the right spots. And, and I started to get to know you a little bit better. Like I immediately recognized that like, here's a guy who's, who's very practical, um, pragmatic. You are, you know, you're the kind of person that, I'm going to trust in, in doing something like this. And also like the kind of person who really can plan and execute something, you know? Um, but I think that that's, it's great that you can, you can still be practical, pragmatic, and like really have all the things that you need in life, but you don't have to do it in the, in sort of the just status quo way, you know? Yeah. I, well, maybe my expectations are just very low. I don't need, you know, mm. I don't need a big night. Like I'm cool in the in a tent in the backyard. Be it a really cool, cozy tent. Right, cool. that tent is cool. Yeah, <laughs> you know? but uh, oh, actually, and so something kind of cool. I finally dug out all that footage from the water safari, and I'm beginning to really? edit it. So I've oh, that's I've, great. Uh, I'm working with iMovie for the first time, cool. and I've got. I'm trying to import all. I have a couple um, clips that haven't been been able to import in. Yeah. Uh, but I have I have a lot of it, and I'm I'm learning how to throw music over it, and edit, and cut, and do all these sort of things. So That's I'm gonna great. get a little a little uh, clip put together. I'm I'm trying to keep it really short, like five minutes, just like just sure. all the highlights of the trip. Yeah. Uh, and so when I have that. I'll definitely uh, you'll have to see it, man. You're yeah. in you're in a good amount of them. So <laughs> cool. That's great. Oh man. Well, I would love to see it, and you know, if you want to if you want to share it and put it out there, um, you know, I I know you had mentioned maybe you know, wanting to explore different ways to put your experience out there. Um, and I mean, definitely someone who has as, as many experiences as you've had, you know, in the outdoors, taking some of these big trips. Um, I mean, those are, those are big experience experiences worth sharing. I think, you know, hearing the stories of how it comes together and yeah, if you have photographs, video, things like that, like it's, it's great. You know, just how do you make it not boring? Cause most right, of it is right. like, us paddling down a river so it's sure. I, I thought about just speeding it all up and i was like i don't know i would hate watching that right I would just hate watching that. so it's like i just want to get the the good thing so i'll yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out and i'll, I'll definitely send it out and That's if great. it's if it's ready when this comes out you can uh, we can get a link to it or something so that would be awesome 
your listeners can 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 find that. That would be cool. That would be great, man. Well, I wish you the best with it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, well, we better get to the Yukon because we've got a whole <laughs> a whole other adventure to cover here. So no. so you're you're planning a trip to the Yukon, um, and I'm, I'm sure you're getting all of your your facts and your gear and your route in order. How do you, you know, I know that you went with a group of people. How did you figure out how many people you were going to go with and who they were? How did your, your, you know, your group come together? That's a good question, man. I have no idea how it happened. Like, <laughs> I have no clue. It was so, uh-huh. it's just so weird. I knew what gear I needed and, and, and the PCT was like so specific, like, cause you have to have these drop points and these foods at this so we have pins on maps and like miles calculated per day for eat the whole trip and this one and then you soon you soon learn like all that goes to shit as soon as you're out there so uh the planning approach to this one was less is more so i didn't i really didn't try to plan a whole lot i kept it very loose um aside from the gear i i always make like a really intense gear list and the, the, I had no idea who was going to do it with me for a good probably six months. So I, I was planning this trip. I knew someone would 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 jump on the opportunity. Um, I'm trying to remember who because I, I feel like I went through a few candidates. My, my, my buddy Dave, uh, who's uh, from England as well, he, um, he, he wanted to do it and we were planning with him and then, you know, something fell through. I think there was somebody else who – who expressed some interest in it. Uh, but it just kind of turned out Chris, you know, Chris mm-hmm. and I, um, we all, I don't know. He, he's never like super excited. He's not the guy that's like <laughs> comes to you to be like, let's do this trip. But right. anytime I've ever approached him to do anything, he's like, yeah, like, of course I want to <laughs> do that. So I didn't, I don't know why I didn't go to him first. Uh-huh. Uh, I just, I maybe kind of wanted to like have him come to me for yeah. once like yeah like i totally want to do this too and be, be as as passionate about it as i was but um yeah it was kind of like you know i was just kind of hey man yeah like i don't know do you want to do this and he was like yeah i want to do that mm-hmm. like all right let's do it and, w- and when chris commits to something that's it like he's 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 he's, he's in um even though he's not as obsessive as i am and i learned that through yeah. our other trip together is like you know he he takes a more passive approach than me just being like obsessive and in all the planning and stuff which mm-hmm. which is um and then and then that was it and and we were i was at work one day and this guy i work with came in and he was drinking at the bar and he had heard about it from chris or something he's like i want to do that trip with you and i was like you know and, and it's one of those things like okay you're, you're drinking at the bar yeah i get it like <laughs> plans. he's like sure no buddy. i want to I take that trip uh uh-huh. And, and he's this like goofy younger guy, like super tall with, you know, these, these funny, like his perfect circle frame glasses and just kind of like, he loves fish. He follows fish everywhere. So he, and, oh, and that's I knew, great. I knew he hiking on the AT, but yeah, he, he's just okay. like a super great guy. And I was like, Hey man, yeah. Like the more the merrier, there's three of us, we could figure it out. Yeah. Um, but if you really want to do it, you know, let's do it. And then I think it was the next day. Uh, you know, after the bar, you know, after he was uh, sobered up, he he was still totally in on it. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, man, yeah, sure. Like, let's do it. Um, 
And then another guy at work, I don't remember how much longer, but I was telling him about some experiences that I had. And I don't know, you know, everyone has different reasons for doing things. And I think mm-hmm. there were some things in his life that he wasn't so, I don't know, everybody has has things. But um, for whatever reason, when something struck a chord in him when I was telling him about my experiences and how it changed me on the trail. And he was like, I want to take this trip with you guys. Like, all right, I mean, it's going to mean quitting your job and all this and that. And he's like, yeah, I'm cool. And by the way, we all worked at the same restaurant together. Right. <laughs> so I'm, recruiting, I'm, I'm recruiting four guys from the same restaurant. And they even mentioned, like, stop, take, stop taking our people away right. <laughs> on, on these trips. But um, yeah, man, it just, it just came together like that. And it was really weird because, I don't know, it, we're, we're literally not, I don't want to say like a motley crew because we're all like, you know, but but the one guy James, the 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 chef, he was the one who, um, he, you know, he he had the the kind of things I think he had never he had never been camping before. He had never set up a tent before. He had <laughs> never he had never done anything. That's just uh, crazy. And it was like, yeah, I know that you don't need those things to sure. make something like this happen, especially with us. And you yeah. know, uh, Reeb had had done some things. He's he's the he's the tall, squirrely guy with the glasses. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, so. Everybody brings something different to the table, but it was it was definitely uh, very very strange how it all came together. I still can't believe all four of us went out there and 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 did that. But you know, it just speaks to the character of these guys too. You know, I didn't we worked together, but I didn't know them super well, and didn't you know and. Um, to have them just be like you know, especially for James, who has never ever even you know set up a tent like on camping he's like i'm yeah. gonna do i'll come out there and do the whole yukon with you so yeah that, that's uh, that's amazing that's so crazy, good. crazy crazy so yeah. <laughs> uh yeah it was really cool how it came together i still have no idea how how that happened but we uh we made it work wow that's great so um you guys took off in uh when was it was it june of of this year june of 2017 no we left may 12th may, okay may 12th 2017 okay cool all right. And what was the trip up? To, you're all packed up. You you had, what was it, your car with a trailer. You had your motorcycle, right? Two canoes. What else <laughs> What else did you have? Like all my, Everything I owned because yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was leaving Austin. I didn't know where I was going to go, but I was going to leave Austin. So yeah. I, I, I sold one of my other motorcycles, the KLR, which I miss. Uh-huh. Um, the guy had... I had all four of our, all of our gear, two canoes, the, the pull behind like five by eight U-Haul trailer, uh-huh. full, just packed as full as it could be. Yeah. And we all, we all set off and the goal was to make it all the way up to Washington mm-hmm. because I was going to, a lot of it, you know, selfishly, a lot of it depended on what I was doing. I, you know, mm. guys could have flown to Whitehorse and sure. it would have been two days and it would have been so much easier than what happened on the way, but I don't think any mm. of us would have would have uh, changed it for for anything because yeah. it was such a crazy adventure just getting there. But the the plan was to leave my car with Reed again uh, in Washington, mm-hmm. and then um, uh, like leave all my stuff there in his garage there, and then take my take my car up into Canada and um, and get up there. Okay, what ended up happening? What was the trip up there like? Oh my goodness! It was so <laughs> much. It was so I so in preparation for this trip, and I knew my I was worried about my car. It's not old, but it was at like the hundred thousand mile mark, so a lot of things had to be done. So I did, I did a lot of work, like new drive mm-hmm. shaft. I did 
all the brakes and rotors. I did the rotors twice because apparently the wow. ones weren't great because my brakes were sticking, whatever. I did the radiator hoses um, and then like a, a ton of other things to mm-hmm. it. So, because uh, I was worried about it, but I, I, I got new tires. You know, I felt I felt it was ready for the journey. Mm-hmm. About thirty minutes outside of Austin, my my temperature like warning light comes on, and I pull over, and there's just like coolant everywhere. Oh, no. uh, oh, and I, you know, I get out, I look, and it just turns out, you know, one of the clips, either I didn't put it on right, or it, it was old, or whatever. So. Mm. Uh, luckily i had some hose clamps and stuff so I, I was able to repair that i got a hitch from a guy to the gas station got some coolant got it in it you know maybe a five minute setback we got back on the road yeah um but this had set the precedent for the whole time because now <laughs> I'm, staring, I'm upset like i'm staring at the temp gauge and i'm super nervous and my car is like jerky it's the first time it pulled the, it's pulled the trailer mm-hmm. um and then you know a little ways down the line we, we end up running out of gas oh, um boy. But luckily, you know, we're in Texas. This guy with a big truck comes over. He says, "You know, y'all out of gas?" He's like, "Yeah." Uh, he's like, "Oh, I, you know, he he's got a he's got a gas tank like pump in his truck. He works for oh, the oil rig." So he just he had a pump and he just filled us up and and we got on our way and and that was great. And we we kind of uh, planned our trip to you know we we're gonna hit the Grand Canyon and mm-hmm. uh, go to Zion and. And then, uh, you know, Salt Lake City to, to see snooze from the trail and then go up to Portland and all that. So, um, you know, my car, you know, is like a Saturn View SUV, not necessarily probably the best for towing. Mm-hmm. And we had a lot of gear. And, and in, in Utah, it's very hilly. Mm-hmm. So somewhere in between leaving the Grand Canyon and on our way to Zion, my my temp light comes on again but it's blinking this time mm. so i pull over and i look and that's that's a sign that your transmission is overheating oh no so another thing for me to like obsess and panic over and mm-hmm. um and so we're going a little you know we're, we're driving i let it cool i let it cool off or whatever and we're driving again and the, the hills are just so much for the trailer to pull my transmission starts to you know my car just like is losing power by the second and it's really just it's struggling so hard even to just make it up these you know, like not even that steep of grade, you know, uh, hills on the freeway there. So we're kind of like, you know, what, you know, what's the, what's the protocol here? What do we do? Um, we all kind of put our heads together and we decided renting a car would be the best option. And we can take the, the, the weight off of my car and put it onto this, this other car. Yeah. Um, And then we, we would just caravan, caravan up. Um, so with some some battling and a little yelling and sternness on the phone, we got a rental car. No one wanted to rent us a one-way car from mm. wherever we were to Portland. Mm. Uh, so we had to rent a car. And uh, the, the, the car was still struggling. So we ended up doing like a roadside emergency transmission fluid change, which, which worked decently. Mm. I'm on the phone with mechanics. And he's like, oh, if you have those, those uh, you know, symptoms, you, you're – transmission clutch or what your torque converter is going out and you're going to need a new transmission blah 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 so and i'm not we're in utah you know we're not even we're not i'm trying to take this car to canada you know another four thousand miles from where (laughs) i am currently um so when we get to salt lake city i decide instead of storing my things at reeds in washington i'm going to store it in a storage unit um so just everything just completely went so you know and then at that point, once I got rid of the trailer, everything was fine. We caravaned up to Portland. 
um, got rid of the rental car. Then we yeah. put everything in my car and on the way up to Canada, um, you know, everything was, was pretty smooth sailing, but um, you know, you're very, very um, nervous about the car. And right. also we were very nervous about getting into Canada because I have, a, I had a DWI on my record from, you know, eight years ago and they're very strict. Yeah. So not only was I worried about the car, but I had this overwhelming, like stressful feeling about getting across the border. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you going to even get in after making this like huge, huge trip and, because and planning? Yeah. Well, so yeah, so we plan, we plan the whole trip out, but right. it's also dependent on, Hey, I don't know what's going to happen at the border. guys, I might, uh, right. you, know, you might not let me in. I might have to, uh, hike in. That was the other yeah. option. <laughs> I might have to, I might have to, you guys go, I'm, I don't know what I was thinking because I got snowshoes and everything. I don't know that I would have been able to. I'm glad I, I didn't have to worry about that. But that's good. That would have been that would have been terrible. They brought us in. They, they you know we we went through the border. They brought us in, and I was like, oh, that's it. We're done. They start asking mm. us questions. You know, where's the weed, guys? Like we know you have it, and we're like, mm. what are you talking about? We we have nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they start searching my car, and and um to the maybe discredit of the Canadian border patrol. They did a terrible job. They, they probably soon realized they were way in over their head. They pulled out a couple bags and realized my car was, my car was packed yeah. uh, with beer. Um, and I think they soon just realized like, you know, this is going to take too long. So they, they let us go. But wow. once we finally got into Canada, our, I remember our first night, um, there's a lot of provincial parks in Canada. We pulled in and, uh, you know, set up our hammocks. Those guys set up their tents and we were hanging there. Finally, you know, like we were in Canada, the, you know, all our worries were, uh, gone. And it's just such a good feeling to, to have that, you know, 2000, some, you know, over 2000 miles just to get across the border done. Right. And it was like, if anything happens now, you know, it doesn't matter. We're, we're make, like, we're making it to the Yukon now, you know? Um, cause it was, it was up in the air for a little while there. We really didn't know, you know, I, my car, you know, my car was having troubles. We couldn't rent a car to get there. We couldn't fly, you know, no one will rent you a car from the U S to get to Canada. No one will rent you a car, um, from, uh, anywhere in Canada to Whitehorse to leave it in Whitehorse, just too small of a place. So, you know, we, uh, we put all our eggs in this one basket and thank God it ended up working out, uh, you know, but that, you know, that's just kind of the way it goes, I guess, on some of these sometimes. Yeah, you just, you have to, I guess, just go for it and, and bank on it. And hopefully it all comes together. Or you, I guess you figure it out along the way, you know, just like y'all did. I mean, it sounds like, yeah, you had, you had some challenges along the way, but you, you made it work, you know. Um, the, the motto I've learned now is everything will work out. Everything yeah. works itself out. And if you don't, if, if you're just cool, everything works out. Yeah. It's amazing when it happens because it really does. It really just things come together. People are amazing, you know, from whatever it is. Like things will things will work out. That's good. I feel like I need to remember that myself right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Just in everyday life. So um so so you're so you're making it and you're you're finally making your way and it's Whitehorse, Alaska or Whitehorse, Canada. The the town uh, that you're Whitehorse, gonna start from. Whitehorse uh in the Yukon Territory. Yukon Territory. It, it's it's like uh, it's not too far from British Columbia border, but it's kind okay. of like you know it's kind of in that corner tucked in by where British Columbia is, and then the Yukon, and then there's Alaska border there too. So okay, um, I don't know exactly how many miles it, I know river miles 
you know, it's, it's uh, I think like 400 miles or so wow. uh, into, into Alaska, but mm. um, driving, who knows? Wow. Yeah. Maybe so, 120. Huh. Okay. So it's really, it's so a white horse is, uh, is, is, is more of a part of Canada then. Yeah, okay. White Horse in Canada. It's mm-hmm. the large. It's the capital of the Yukon Territory. It used to be Dawson, um, but all those places, you know, they're gold rush towns, and so they, um, once that craze kind of left them, now now the Yukon, and it, you know, it has most things you need there. It's a, it's I think it's a population of like thirty thousand people. A lot of outdoor recreation. Of course, the Yukon goes through there. So this is a cool cool little place. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, how'd you guys get on the river? So we make it into into Whitehorse, and we have a few supplies to get. We immediately go to uh, the outfitter up there called Up North Adventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're awesome. If anyone's listening, they should check them out. They're great. Um, but so we go there to grab you know some bear you know bear spray and our bear barrels. You got to have these waterproof airtight barrels. You don't have to, but it makes it a lot easier and safer. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there's some girls working uh, behind the, the desk and we're talking to them and letting them know our, our plans. And, um, you know, we let them know where we're staying at the camp campground mm. uh, and invite them to come, you know, to the campground to, to hang out with us. And, nice. and so they, they show up later after they get off work and we're all hanging out and drinking. You know, we're having a great time because, you know, we're about to leave on this adventure. And, mm-hmm. um, and Callie who is from Australia, but is living uh, there and working at the store, offered to give us a ride to uh, the headwaters because mm. you can uh, most, a lot of people will start in Whitehorse just because the river is right there. Mm. Um, but we wanted to do it proper. You know, if you, wow. you know, if you're, you're going to paddle the whole river, I want to paddle the whole river and the right. river doesn't start in Whitehorse. It actually starts you know, 30 miles back at uh, Marsh Lake. Huh. So that's that's the source. And even that is debated. We met another woman mm. who's super hardcore, and she's, she's like, yeah, but then what feeds Marsh Lake is this glacier. So she goes up to the, like, crazy. So she goes <laughs> up to the glacier. We, that's amazing, we, yeah. We feel good about starting in Marsh yeah, Lake. And, um, that sounds that sounds still, like, it's pretty good. I think, I think that's, <laughs> yeah. that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I ended up, I left my car at that campground, and mm. Callie came, and she she came in the morning, and, you know, we loaded up. She gave us a ride all the way uh, down to the to the headwaters, and, sent us sent us on our way wow yeah she she was a big help you know before and then even later on after we got done with the river we met back up with her too and um yeah so so we just you know a weird group of guys who didn't really know what they were doing yeah get in these get in these boats and we start paddling and you know it's just uh it was just a little surreal to to finally be in the boats and on the on the water and the current is so fast. Like is I'm it? used to, I'm used to Minnesota water or you know Texas rivers where you know three four miles an hour and this this water is just cooking. And, uh, <laughs> like how many miles an hour would you say it's flowing? Uh, in Whitehorse, like almost nine probably eight wow. to nine miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Just being in the boat, mm-hmm. crazy crazy fast. Wow. Um, and super, super duper cold because it's all, mm. you know, glacial, uh, glacial melt yeah. uh, and stuff like that. And uh, eventually, you know, we get we get past Marsh Lake and you see like the divide in the water where all the silt is is kind of leaving and it comes in real clear. 
Hmm. Uh, and and that was probably the the best stretch right there was uh, from Whitehorse to Dawson. It hmm. was about you know thirteen days, I think, four hundred seventy four hundred ninety miles. Whereas it's crystal clear water. Um, fishing was excellent, hmm. uh, but you know. Things get a little got a little dicey on Lake Labarge. That's the like thirty mile long lake. That is basically. a huge lake. Yeah. What what happened on that lake? They, they just always caution high winds, yeah. and we decided early on we were going to stick to the left bank, mm-hmm. but the river flows into the right. I don't know why. Once we got there, we didn't decide we were just going to stay on the right because why cross if you don't have to? Right. Um, but we ended up crossing, and it was pretty choppy. It was like it was. At that point, even in the morning when it was calm, it was mm-hmm. still choppy. A lot of things I've, I've, well, a lot of things we paddled up to that point, but that was really only day four. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we were just, you know, we we're just kind of out there having a good time. And Chris and I decided we were going to rig up a sail. Oh, so nice. I get, so I get my hammock out and we tie, uh, we like tie, we make it, we make it up so that, and, and it's windy and we start cooking. Like we are. <laughs> I put my paddle down and I'm holding, I'm holding the sail wow. and Chris steering with the, with the paddle. And before too long, you know, we didn't really realize, but the waves had gotten way too big to be safe. Wow. Uh, and, and, and we were pretty scared, but we were also laughing so hard because it was just so funny to, to sail like that in a canoe. Right. I don't know how to describe it, but, uh, wow. We're laughing, having a great time. Uh, meanwhile, the guys are like in the middle of the lake, and I cautioned them like, do, the do not, do not go in the middle of the lake. Like, stay yeah. close to the shore. Do not go to the middle. But they're kind of in the middle. Mm. And Chris and I, you know, we decide, okay, things are things that picked up, which are probably like four foot waves, and wow. we're riding kind of with them, right? So they mm-hmm. kind of pick us up and push us along. And um, with the wind, the wind was kind of a crosswind. Uh, so we were able to catch it, but we had to mm. kind of zigzag our way um, and try not to get to take a wave over the side and swamp us. So right. finally, we, he and I made the decision to 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 find a spot where we could pull off. But it's it's even mm. dangerous out there because it was really rocky banks, and so if you mm. pull your canoe up, you know, perpendicular uh, to the waves or like parallel to the shore, right. um, you're, you're just going to swamp your boat there and get all your stuff wet and it's going to be annoying and all that. Um, so we made a good decision to find a spot we pull off, but we like, we sail there because I don't have, I still am like, should I put my paddle down? We're like, well, like we're, it's kind of working with the sail. So why don't we just right. keep this one? Yeah. Uh, so pull off and the guys are in the middle of the lake and we don't even see them anymore. And the, it's gnarly out there. And Chris and I are just just sit there and wait and after a while we get kind of nervous and we head out again and it's just kind of like white knuckle you know just mm. keep the boat straight you know yeah i don't know and then we we see the guys they finally pulled off a ways down and uh we're just like like why why did you guys go over there like we're just just worried about them but there's like right. tension on the rise and you know you're, right. you're figuring things out you're figuring out how to make things work in this dynamic where like you know none of us have been there before some of us have never been camping before um some of us myself are very like um controlling and want to have things be this way and then a little more type a maybe uh, yeah and then other people you know and i feel like some ownership over it because like you know 
I, you know, I planned this. I wanted it to be like sure. this. And it's like, you have to, you, it's as hard as it is, you have to abandon those. Houses. So we're just mm. figuring things out, some tensions a little bit, but mostly, mostly just like just having a blast and, and really um, trying not to get eaten by grizzly bears. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see some? Yeah. Really? Yeah, we saw some a lot in Canada, a lot on the drive up. And then when we were on the water, we saw a few. There was one really close encounter on the beach um, where I heard the guys yelling. Hmm. And I kind of thought they were just messing with us. But then I got out and there was a bear like 30 yards away. Oh, wow. Uh, and they both like, to their credit, like they both like started like going towards it and yelling and pounding and just like, like you know, exactly what you should do. Right. And at that point we were on, we were talking about how islands were safer than hmm. on we didn't think the bears would like swim out to the islands but this bear just jumped right in the river and swam to the next island wow. <laughs> like, <okay. laughs> note to self yes the, the bears are in the islands <laughs> but we were you know we made it a point to be very you know we didn't mess around at right. least for the first few weeks we were like you know we're not even cooking at camp really we're food is in the barrels all of our hygiene is in the barrels and then as you go you get a little bit looser on those things but um we always kept all of our food in these airtight smell proof barrels and we all had bear spray and we all had bear bangers so hmm. is, we, a bear, uh, is a bear banger for making noise yeah it's like a little pen that you like screw a charger onto and some of them are whistling but most of them are just like a loud bang it's like a like a really loud firecracker that shoots up in the air, so you can kind of point it hmm. um, wherever you uh, wherever you want. So that was we never had to use them. We 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 really didn't have that many encounters. We saw a lot of moose. You know, we saw a lot of yeah. bear, but it was always on shore, like exactly how you want to see them. And anytime they hmm. saw us, they would they would run the other way. Wow. Well, that's cool. That's that's good. Yeah. Um, well, what were some of your camps like along the way? camps yeah. in the first section some of them were pretty well manicured and you could they weren't necessarily like posted but mm -hmm. some of them even had like a little picnic table oh, wow. um, in the first uh in the for, first section and there's actually some good guidebooks uh that this guy mike rourke uh has these guidebooks where he draws them basically and has all the like super detailed uh so there are a lot of campsites that are listed on his book which helped a lot because um, he would write like, um, God, what are some funny ones? Like he, his book is funny. Hmm. Uh, like good campsite or like great camp or, you know, <laughs> perfect camp. So, uh, it, uh, what's to, his to book be, called? What, uh, it, it's just the, it's like Mike Rourke's guidebooks and they're, he, um, he, he lived up there and he, he paddles that stretch quite a bit. And so they're like hand drawn, um, and they just have different sections. I think this one was, you know, White Horse to Dawson City, Mike Rourke's, you know, Yukon River mm -hmm. Guide. Something. I have it. I could look and get the exact info on it. Um, but he's, uh, so so. it was always funny to see what he considered a great camp. Or yeah, like what? A, a good camp or possible camp. <laughs> what, was it, what was a possible camp? Uh, just like a flat, you know, just like a flat area, like a flat sandy beach. Mm -hmm. um, but the first section had really nice, nice camping up in the, you know, you got a lot of good spots that were up in, up in the pines and in the trees with some good cover and the mm -hmm. bugs weren't that bad. Uh, and they were pretty well manicured with, you know, a, a man-made fire pit kind of already made nice views. Once you got further downriver, all of that 
was was gone. You were cool. sleeping on mostly exposed beach. I think the water level was fairly low, so it it it, it made of a lot of exposed beaches. Uh-huh. Just sand, you know, just sand. Yeah. Nothing else. Um, which was good and bad. You, you know, it mm. kept the bugs away, but one time in particular, this huge sandstorm blew, and we we set up our tents. <laughs> like in the process of setting up our tents and out of nowhere winds picked up they had to be like 50 miles an hour or something wow i don't know like and 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 it was just like this sandstorm and we all just kind of were holding up our tents uh my tent broke like my tent pole broke so my tent oh, collapsed yeah. and we all just had our heads like in our laps covering our eyes because the sand just burned your wow. eyes yeah you couldn't see anything wow. we're running around trying to like button things down but it just it was crazy so the beach was kind of a, a good and bad, mm. but towards, towards the end, that's really all you were all you were camping on was exposed beaches. Uh, yeah, which was okay. Sometimes we, Chris and I, lucked out. We we found a cabin in the woods. Really, um, that was on one of the guide on I think Mike Rourke's book, um, yeah. and ba- you could barely notice it. You, huh. it, it, we had to have GPS coordinates. Uh, mm with like line up with the book because he puts gps coordinates on his book or whatever uh we found this little cabin it was super cool there was a little pot pot belly wood burning stove in there and a cot oh, that was the first time we saw anything like this hmm. um and at this point we we had lost uh james and reeb in the other boat so we were like <laughs> I mean, we're going to stay here for the night because this is cozy and we were going to wake up early to find the guys. Wow. Uh, but they had, they had windows and like window covers and locks for bears. Wow. It was so dark in there. We slept till like 11 because we didn't. <laughs> we didn't. Uh, yeah. And the, sun, and the sun never set. Like it never goes away. So, wow. so you don't really know what time it is necessarily yeah. based on have the sun. That, have that darkness at night was like, it was crazy. Wow. That's nuts. Yeah. Um, that's an aspect I, I honestly, I hadn't even thought of until you, until you said it, um, is that, yeah, you're up in, in, you know, the very far Northern territories in, uh, in the summer. So you've got almost all day long sunlight, right? Always, yeah. always. It never sets. I mean, it, it, like by setting, you know, you, you got to see the most amazing sunsets and it would dip that's below awesome. the horizon, but it, at, by no means ever got dark. Wow. Yeah. Which I, it makes the trip, it made the trip a lot easier, honestly, because the sure. dark, darkness does things to you. And yeah. especially on a, like a canoe trip or something like that, um, it, it messes with your stress levels a little because you got, you know, you, you, now you're on a deadline and you have to find camp and make camp before, you know, night falls or you don't have to, but you know, out there it would be good practice. Too. Um, and sometimes that can be stressful or it just limits your hours. But for us, you know, like we, it, just, it didn't matter. We paddled in all types of uh, all, all times. You know, we, at first we started waking up early, trying to make camp and stuff by nine. And I tried to stay diligent on that. And then it turned out, you know, that that's not going to work. So mm. it was it was let's just wake up whenever we get up. And so that started to be around <laughs> like nine or nine uh-huh. and we We'd break camp. Luxurious. You know, <laughs> get in the boats around like, you know, 10, 11. Slowly uh-huh. we started like one. So like one. And then we would paddle till, you know, 10, 11, 12 sometimes. And then we just completely flipped and started paddling at night. So we would leave <laughs> at like 5 p.m. Wow. Paddle till like 4 a.m. 
and then try to sleep all day. But that, that was like a week that we did that. And, um, beautiful paddling because the, the, the sunsets and, and everything, oh, incredible. the winds are, are a lot calmer, but mm. trying to sleep in your tent in, in that sun is just, uh, we, we, what you did, you had to put your sleeping bag over your tent for shade. Mm. And then you had to put your sleeping pad over your body and sleep on the ground. Like, so uh-huh. the, it sounds really weird, but the, the sleeping pad on top of you actually kept you really cool. Mm. But it's just we weren't we weren't having that. No. Hmm. Yeah, it sounds like it, it sounds like it would be difficult to adjust to, but probably yeah. kind of fun to try. Yeah, it, yeah. it was. Cool. We thought we, we we had a good time with it, but again, you know, having that no nighttime situation allowed for us to do kind of whatever a lot of freedom and mm. it. Uh, it was fun. It was cool. I liked it, and it wasn't really hard to sleep at night. But yeah, because you—I bet you were pretty—you're pretty beat probably at the end of each day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So, so it sounds like y'all would separate sometimes. So sometimes you would—you would all four be together. You got your two canoes, but sometimes you would be separated. And how did that work out? Like y'all just sort of went with it, and you didn't worry too much. <laughs> Not intentionally. We never. <laughs> To, to separate but there was this one time you know we would sometimes we would paddle ahead but we would always wait for the for the guys in back or vice mm-hmm. versa you know so if we were we always had a loose plan of like you know stopping at this point or whatever for to eat some snacks or lunch or whatever so you know we we never intentionally met meant for it to happen but we paddled ahead and chris and i stopped to fish because i wanted to fish a lot um, and we saw the guys coming and we like, w- we shouted to them and we saw them put their paddles down and like, look at us. And we're like, Oh, so they saw us, they know we're fishing here. Um, and they kept going. Mm. And then, so we started paddling and we just never caught up to them. And we were like, why wouldn't they stop away for us? Yeah. <laughs> like, what, are those, what are those guys doing? Like those dicks, why, what are they doing? And then, uh, and then it was like, and then it became, okay, what do you think they think happened? Are they paddling to catch us? And if so, would they really think that we would paddle? You know, it's just like all those things happen. And, and so, you know, Chris and I paddled and we tried to find them. And we were like, you know what? It's like eight, it's like eight or nine. We found this cabin. We're like, we're going to stay in that cabin. Mm-hmm. And we slept in accidentally and we started paddling. And by noon, we saw this group of girls who we met earlier on mm. uh, and they were, they were staying at another cabin and they said, Hey, you guys looking for your friends? And at this point we weren't actively looking. We were just like, we'll see them when we see them. But we were like, yeah, I guess so. Like, have you seen them? And they're like, yeah, they were here. Um, they were here at like, I don't know what they said, like eight o'clock last night or something. Uh-huh. Like, Last night, like that, because we we went fifty miles that day. Wow! So we were like, they they were here yesterday. Are Whoa. you kidding? So they had kept paddling. They must have paddled, they must have paddled almost eighty miles that day. Wow! Um, which isn't crazy hard with the water, you know, moving like it was moving, but yeah. we couldn't believe it. So we we're like, all right, well, shit, we'll see them in the next town. I hope, unless they still think that they're behind us, you know. Uh, so then another day goes by and then we were paddling up and we think we see something in the, like in the distance and it looks like a big buoy or something like blinking, but, and it just like keeps, 
keeping itself out of sight. And we round this bend and we see a beach and we see like eight or nine canoes and a bunch of people, like a bunch of people huddled up around this, this beach. And we're like, Oh shit. Like they, they called a search party, you know, like those, that, that big buoy thing that I saw like blinking. I was like, that had to be, you know, we didn't know, but we, we, you, you come around a bend in, in right. a place where you see no one. We just, we see nine canoes, all these guys huddled together. It's like, they're, they're, they're like starting a search. Wow. Um, this is crazy. And then we further down that same beach, we see their canoe and their tents. Uh, oh. And so we, we paddle up to them and, and it turned out that group of, uh, that big group was just a, uh, a bunch of boy scouts. Oh, finishing wow. Their trip. But we were scared. We were yeah. like, Oh no. This is terrible. Right. Um, but then we met up, we met up with them and it was exactly as we thought. They, they never, and they, well, actually it wasn't at all what we thought. They never even saw us in our little fishing spot. Oh, really? Um, they had just passed, they had just passed by. You guys, they passed, <laughs> and they never, and they never <laughs> saw us. The whole time that never even like, cause we saw them see us. Like we mm-hmm. knew they saw us because they stopped paddling, but apparently they, they did not. Wow. Um, Huh. So, we didn't try to ever be separated, but that, and that was the only time that we uh, we lost each other for the for the day or more, two days, I guess. I guess that's not too bad then, because how how long how long did the trip take in total from from start to finish on the river? This one was only fifty two days. Fifty two days. Okay, it's, that's still a lot of time on a river. I mean, that's what was fifty eight. It might have been fifty eight. It was fifty eight. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so what was the group dynamic with y'all like? I would, I would love to get other people's <laughs> input. <laughs> <laughs> we should, maybe we should get the I, other guys too. <laughs> I, know. I, um, it was good. I think I was a little intense at moments mm. and could have chilled out. Definitely. I'll own that. Um, I try to keep, I try to be the leader, but also try to like, I don't know. I try to keep everybody on task sort of, you know? Yeah. Uh, because there is, because while we are having a great time and stuff like that, we, there is a goal and we do have things we need to accomplish and there are tasks during, you know, that we have to get done. Um, uh, but I think overall it was very positive. Uh, you know, James was a chef is a chef mm-hmm. uh, at the restaurant so he took a big lead cooking but we didn't want to put the whole burden on him you know we didn't want sure. him to be the guy who solely cooked but he really enjoyed it so he did a lot of the cooking um i would say there was a lot of shared responsibility as far as the cooking goes but james definitely was like you know in the forefront uh, mm-hmm. as far as that goes um reeb makes everybody laugh and is just always in a good mood and like you know he wants to hug you all the time and tell you how much he loves you. And he's just like <laughs> dancing in the boat or being goofy or, or on the flip side, losing his phone in the, in the river, oh my God, yeah. very angry and like breaking a canoe paddle. So he was, he was kind of, he was a wild card in that, in that, <laughs> but no, just like, just all, you know, good guy, Chris, always playing music, always, you know, on the podcasts mm-hmm. or making jokes and, uh, never ever complaining about anything ever. Uh, and also being, and also kind of being like my right hand man too, when it came to like, all right, we got to, you know, 
because he and I have have been on other adventures too. So it's like, yeah, all right, we got, got history together. You've got experience yeah. together. He's like, all right, well, while you guys do this, I'm gonna I'm gonna prepare lunch. Chris was like, I'm I'm gonna prepare lunch and make a you know, be just just ahead of the game and thinking. Yeah. And Chris was a we call him the magic mind mm. because the dude has the, this ability to just solve problems before mm. like. Like, you know, if we're trying to hang, hang our uh, gravity filter or something with mm. like two sticks and a bungee cord, uh-huh. he's like, no, 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 here, you guys put, do this and this and this and this and this and like balance, you know, get a ba- rock perfectly in balance. I don't know. He just, he has a mm. way of, of engineering things so that they just work. His mind is very much like how an artist works. He's just mm. he's able to see and solve problems. Uh, whereas I'm like, just I'll jam two sticks together. And if it doesn't work, I'll try something else. Like, I, you know, I don't like see uh, that far in advance. So mm. he, he's the, he's the magic mind of the group <laughs> and, and always positive. So I think, I think it was a good dynamic that we had, and, you know, every, you have your ups and downs and we're all very different, Yeah. but um, you know, and we definitely had, you know, we definitely clashed sometimes. And I think a lot of it was, 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 maybe my fault in being too pushy sometimes or, or uh, trying to control a situation that maybe didn't need to happen. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, we all had a really good time and got to know each other. And um, just, yeah, it was a great way to spend the summer, that's for sure. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like an amazing way to spend the summer. Um, yeah, I think it's something that, you know, hearing back from it, I know you had you had talked about it enough, and I and I guess at the time I just had never thought I could make the space for it. But I think it's so good that you and and everyone else who went, you know, made that type of of space in their lives for something like this. It's it's really great. Um, what was the what was the river like? I'm sure it's it's a little hard to generalize, you know, 400 some odd miles of river that you covered. But you know, were there were there rapids? Were there falls? Was it wide? Was it, what was it like? I know there was a lake. You covered the lake pretty well, but like, what was, what were other parts of the river like? Well, it was like 2,000 miles of river. Oh, wow. Okay. But just that, just that stretch from White Horse to Dawson was uh, 400. But oh, wow. uh, okay. it was, it was, it was narrow-ish, you know, in the first portions. And then uh, it was actually broken up into sections. So mm. um, then once we got out of, you know, into Alaska, we got into what's known as the flats. Mm-hmm. And that's where it gets really, really wide. And you have, it's, you know, um, like spider web. Well, I don't know how to, I don't know how to describe it. Um, like different, all different veins of, of river creating all these islands. Very like, it was like webbed and weaved and crazy. So you, you know, you kind of wanted to stick to the right channels. Yeah. Where the river was flowing the fastest and people worry about getting lost, but you know, it's a river. You, you can't, you really cannot get lost. Huh. Um, but, but at any given point, looking at a map, there's like maybe 15 different routes you could go. Huh. Um, but as long as you just let the current do the work, you know, if you get into a slough or something that's slow moving, eventually it's going to feed back into the main river. So we didn't really worry that much about it. Yeah. Um, but that's where it really got wide. The views weren't as great. You know, at first you had these like rocky outcrops with like pine, it was covered in pine, um, and steep cliffs, just like beautiful. And then you got into the flats and 
just kind of you lost that. It wasn't mountainous anymore. It was almost like a desert um, with, you know, some trees, but it was basically like a little marshy. I don't really know how to describe it, but um, you didn't really see anything in the horizon. So you kind of felt swallowed up. Um, and then you and then we got out of there and then again back into a little bit more like rocky uh, some like lava rock formations, hmm. I want to say. Uh, like I don't, I don't know if it's like obsidian or igneous. Maybe I think it was igneous. There's some igneous rock like cliffs on there. Um, as you as you get out and then um, towards the end, you know it opens back up again as it gets closer to the bay. But the water uh, was very silty. You hmm. could hear it. You could really? hear it like almost static on a TV. Wow! Uh, all the silt rasping against the boat. Wow. Uh, so you couldn't really, you couldn't see after, you know, once the, um, once the Teslin river joined the Yukon, that was, that was it for the, our, our mm. clear, crisp, beautiful drinking water. Mm. Wow. Hmm. Um, so what was some of the fishing like along the way? Again, the, like the first two weeks. Great. Yeah. Uh, after Lake Labarge, I caught a huge lake trout. Mm. Um, it was the first fish we caught. Uh, he, I didn't, we didn't measure him, but it was like from the tip of my middle finger to the center of my chest. Wow. That's huge. He was super that's crazy. <laughs> it was like, yeah, he was, um, almost two feet long, maybe, maybe two feet. That's um, crazy. and she actually, and we ate it. I didn't necessarily want to, but it was our first fish. Like we had to eat it. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, after that, it just like, it just caught on. It was, it was a lot of Arctic, Arctic, Arctic grayling, mm. um, a lot, some Northerns here and there. Um, and then some more, and then I guess we didn't really catch a whole lot of trout, mm. uh, but a lot of the, the Arctic grayling. Uh, and then we were gifted some salmon further down river once the salmon started running because, you know, it was hard to, uh couldn't catch them they wouldn't really bite on mm. uh, on your hook so once you once the teslin came in and the and the water got murky the fishing really slowed down and you had to kind yeah. of work you'd go you would paddle up into these sloughs where there was clear water mm. and that's that's where you would find the fish huh wow so what were you guys um supplementing the fish you know you had food along the way with you um what kind of meals were you making with the fish? Like, how did you prepare it? And also, yeah, what else, what other food did you have along with you? We, we tried a few different methods. The, the salmon, we just, or uh, I'm sorry, the trout, we just, we grilled, we filleted it and grilled it. Mm -hmm. And then it had a little egg sack in it and we grilled that up too and ate that. That was delicious. Oh, nice. Um, we battered and fried some things. The grayling, we tried cooking just on a stick, you know, with mm -hmm. <clears throat> over an open flame uh, made little like niblets out of them. Mm. Um, the salmon we got again, we just cooked it like traditional salmon. Um, and then some, you know, the first salmon we got was so big. We each probably had like six, five ounce fillets. Like we were wow. so, so full of salmon. <laughs> and then the, ne then the next morning on the same Island, someone was like, Hey, you guys want a salmon? She was out there pulling her nets and we were wow. like, we can't say no, but because you've been wanting salmon this whole time, uh -huh. but we could have spaced that out a little better. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, so that one, again, I think we, we just cooked up normally, but we had, mm. you know, we had the, the, like 
emergency ration type like boring stuff or the things you 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 spice up uh, like rice and beans. And then we had, you know, a lot of noodles. We would eat a lot of pasta with different sauces, like either cheese, like mac and cheese sauce or, you know, red sauce, mashed potatoes, lentils, you know, rice and bean tacos, like everything goes in a tortilla, basically. Uh-huh. Uh, we would make a lot of like baked beans, pancakes. We, we had we had eggs and bacon and potatoes and stuff nice. in, on our first. So we ate, we ate really well. I mean, that's that's the best part. And that's really important is to get a lot of nutrition and also just like morale boosting meals you know you don't want to eat oatmeal like every day because it just just sucks and your trip's gonna suck so having having hot food is the best so so we we definitely you know tried to tried to do a lot with that we all work in restaurants we all appreciate food james is chef so it's like how can we how can we you know make these things and really they taught me a ton about backcountry cooking and James too because maybe he didn't have the experience of actually being in the backcountry but he had the knowledge of food to bring to the table and be like hey like these are shortcuts that you know I've picked up in in the chef world or whatever that would work perfectly out here so like you know uh just having him along really helped so you know you get all these like dried veggies and you know uh bouillon and all these little tricks that help spruce up uh, anything really. Hmm. And he caught me on to uh, drinking a bunch of broth at the end of the night. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just like pouring powdered uh, beef or chicken broth in your cup. Hmm. Yeah. As a like, little, little added like your English tea. Right. Time. <laughs> yeah. have, a little, have a little beef broth. Yeah. A little, something a little hot to drink and probably, you know, gave you some extra added nutrients. Yeah, so for good. sure. Yeah, was it just like a from from a from bullion? It was. Yeah, I don't know what it was. I think it was Nor, and it was like in the can, like a small little okay. can. Uh huh. Tons yeah. of coffee, tons of hot cocoa. Yeah. Did you guys do instant coffee, or did y'all have the real stuff? We had the real stuff, and we had. How did we make it? I should know this because we made it every day. Oh, we <laughs> had. Uh, uh, we just had like a little screen filter thing uh-huh. like, like a little pour over kind of yeah mm. yeah just like a little basket screen thing that we would just kind of pour over and, and we would steep like let it steep sometime okay. it would basically just like sit in your mug yeah and you could do a pour over but then like fill it up enough so that it steeps and uh god those guys make some strong coffee man i don't ever drink coffee <laughs> i i didn't drink coffee before going out there and and yeah. i i I was hooked on out there, but right. uh, I try not to drink a lot of it, like now. Yeah. Uh, but for a while, you know, I I will, and and I think it, I think they got me hooked on the coffee out there. Yeah. Is it? Do you find it a nice thing to have when you're outdoors like that? Yeah. We, in the first thing in the morning, we would just like drink insane amounts of coffee and just uh-huh. like do do push-ups and, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and like. We, you know, we, we would just try to challenge ourselves. Like, I'm going to try to be able to do this many push-ups in a row or the, in a day or at the end of the trip. So it was like, we would like work out in the mornings and like get a good, you know, get a good, uh, good start to the morning going. And then you paddle. Uh, yeah. It's just, you know, you just, you just feel so good. You see, you feel so clean, like all the nutrients you're taking in, they're not organic or, you know, super healthy. You know, the vegetables are hard to come by and whole, you know, foods like that but Hmm. you know you're just you're expending so much energy and you know you just feel so good like 
having you know using all of the the energy that you're taking in and stuff right and that that coffee man yeah (laughs) i bet it does yeah um so did y'all come across some towns along the way were y'all able to you know uh get more supplies if you needed it more food um did you come across towns we came i mean towns i wouldn't towns use that very loosely Mm -hmm. they're like uh dawson was carmax was the first place another pretty small village but yeah they had some food there in a in a a restaurant that we you know grabbed some you know shitty burgers in or whatever and had a beer Uh that's nice Uh, dawson city is definitely larger home to like like these crazy gypsy kids like this is a like this is a ghost town and it's, it's on the river and actually uh, the river divides the highway there. Um, I don't know if it's the Dalton Highway or if it's the Alaskan Highway. Mm. I guess I'd have to double check. But yeah, so there's a ferry that runs 24-7 back and forth to take you. So we camped on the other side. So to get into Dawson, we'd have to take a ferry in. Mm. Um, the The roads are not paved. Mm. The sidewalks remind you of like a Western, you know, like almost wow. a like palleted um, flat. It looks like there should be horses on the streets, and and the ba- and the bars look just like that as well. You know, very old homes out. But there's the like we went to a bar, and there was like a hundred kids in there dancing to you know like '90s hip hop, like Biggie Smalls. <laughs> where are, where are we? That's bizarre. It's cra- and they all like live in vans and live all over. Like they just I don't I don't know why. And I I asked these people. Wow doing here i asked these girls they were they were from montreal i think so they had like very uh like thick kind of like french canadian accents i was like like what are you guys doing here where are all these people why are you here uh-huh. and she's just like she's like you know that the it's just the sun never goes down i didn't really have an answer i was like i don't get it <laughs> they just flocked to this this one place but that uh-huh. That was a larger place to resupply. And then there's really nothing after that. It's villages, like small, just that. Villages of 30 people, maybe. Um, Some of them have post offices, but they're very rural. And they don't, you know, they don't see a lot of people. So their social skills are, you know. A little bit, a little bit uh, rusty, mm. uh, and, and then there's some some others. There, there were a couple in there where you, you know we met some uh, some really outgoing and friendly people that like took us. You know, one guy let us stay at his as plot house and shower and do laundry and cook and hang with us. And oh, he great. was there. He was there uh, doing some work uh, uh, to one of the schools out there. But you know, it's pretty small, and what you do find is super expensive. I bought a I bought a mm. bag of Fritos for like twelve dollars in. <laughs> But I need, you know. That's great. Oh my I god. Needed, I needed that that boost. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. I'm sure it does a lot for your uh, for your for your mentality. You know, just it, to have. Yeah, it uh, always feels good to get to a town, but there it was right. kind of a disappointment because hmm. they they might not even have anything, and right. there's really nowhere to stay. And and then you know people people can steal your stuff, so you're like wow. a little bit you're a little bit worried about where to put your things. Um, we had one incident. It was like towards the end of the trip. Like everything had been great until the second. It was like the, our second to last night or something like that, or third last night. We all these kids were running around, um, and we were, you know, be, we were entertaining the 
them and uh, talking to them and being kind of nice to them. But then we kind of got annoyed and we're like, all right, guys, like, you know, and it was almost one in the morning and no parents are anywhere. These kids are just running around, you know, they, they're not in school and they, they don't have a lot of structure. And we tried to be careful with our stuff, but I woke up the next morning, my pack was gone. Oh, wow. I had left it in my, in my, or outside my tent, I guess, like just right outside my tent. And I even stayed up really late because I was worried that something was going to happen. So I woke up just pissed off. Um, cause I, you know, I thought these, yeah. these kids just took my pack. <laughs> what am I going to, you know? Um, so I get up and I just go right into town, which is harder than it seems. Cause it was like, people live literally like in shacks along the river. Mm. And then I had to walk through like a backyard and then there were some houses and a store and stuff. Um, and I was going to take the beach back in case they like dumped it on the beach. Mm. And when I, and I didn't find it, I didn't find anyone there. You know, no one. No one lives there. The store hadn't even opened up yet. So I was going to go back to camp. Uh, and then when I got back to camp, the guy said they found our my stuff. And Reed's backpack got taken as well. Huh. Wow. And they didn't take anything, though, of mine. They, they took they, they took our backpacks and dumped everything out and, huh. like, left it there, like, in between in, – in some trees. And it was raining, so everything got wet. Oh, wow. And they took they took Reed's digital cam- – or uh, disposable cameras – and then I don't know something else. So it was obviously kids that did it, but yeah, that's that's pretty lame, though. It's too bad, you know. Yeah. It's it's a uh, it's a shame. But I, I was so happy to have my stuff back. Right. Like, I didn't I didn't care. I'm all you know, I had my hammock in there, mm. um, and, and all sorts of different things. My rain gear, like really good professional, uh, like commercial rain gear, and just the pack itself is expensive. But the, you right. know, it, definitely kids. Yeah, almost like a prank. Like a prank, yeah. Well, and then in the, in the in the sand, it said "fuck you guys," um, and the, and and it's so funny because I looked at it and the spelling, you know, the U had like the tail on it, yeah. just like a kid learning to spell. I was like, "Come on, you guys are not, <laughs> you're not right, right track." But no, oh no, that's pretty. Other than that, we didn't have too many setbacks. Reed, well, Reed <laughs> lost his phone. My tent broke. We broke some paddles, but other than that. You know, we may do. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, so, so you guys were on the on the water for fifty two or fifty eight days. Um, how did it feel whenever you finally made it made it to the end? Or what was the end? It was weird, man. Yeah, this is the thing. It was like a port town, sort of, and there was a lot of boat traffic, a lot of skiff traffic mm-hmm. coming because um, you know people can access. Uh, He's like, it was a big fish processing plant, I think. Hmm. So there were a lot of workers there who who stay and work in this little place. It's called Emanac. Okay. And there's an airport there, and there's this fish processing plant and like two stores. Um, but there was a lot of boats coming up and down. And it was really just like, it, this is the, it was really hectic because we pull in there's boats you know kind of everywhere mm. and then people immediately start asking us if they can buy things from us wow Which we were totally down to do but we hadn't you know we we wanted to figure out a flight situation right um there's no campground or anything it's just basically these little <clears throat> like pods set up for the for the for the workers there mm. uh, who are fairly young but they're just kind of makeshift like camps so we go um, and make a phone call to the airport, and it turns out like the only flight is for that next day. Oh wow! So we're like, all right, 
that's it. We got to fly out, you know, tomorrow. And wow. we had made, we initially wanted to go to the Bering Sea. You know, we wanted to see hmm. the sea. We just didn't have the time because um, we had to unload all our gear. We, we, we had to take a plane out and we were only allowed, we weren't sure what we were allowed, but we only were allowed, you know, our bear barrel and our backpack. And wow. we had to minimize the, the weight to 50 pounds each. So we were trying to get rid of things and hmm. we wanted to sell our boats. Wow. Um, so it was really just kind of frantic getting all our things together. We finally got all our stuff together. The guys sold their boat that night and yeah. we just, we just camped like basically in the street, like it was a dirt road, just yeah. like off to the side. Um, and then, um, yeah, we, the next day we were able to sell our boat, uh, and, and got on a plane and flew to Anchorage and uh it was just like yeah it was just kind of hectic it was, it was just like we i don't know you don't you didn't have like the victory of like right. yeah we did it. it was just like all right we're here like let's yeah. get all these things done we had to do laundry real quick like take some showers get your get all your gear unloaded sell your boat sell this do that right. do this. um so it was just kind of like it's kind of hustled but then we got yeah. to anchor it and the guys like james had a flight out of anchorage back to austin or dallas hmm. Or something. Reeb was kind of undecided. He had a flight, but then Chris and I, you know, Chris just had his his stuff up in the air. My car was at in Whitehorse, so I had to get back to Whitehorse somehow. Right. Um, but I wasn't necessarily in a hurry. I didn't know the best way to do it. I didn't want to pay for another flight because the trip was pretty expensive, and and and, and the flight out of there was pretty expensive. <laughs> so I was like, hey, let let's we're in Anchorage. Let's look for a hostel. Hostels are great places to meet people. And I even said it. I was like, we'll probably meet someone right away that's like driving to Whitehorse and we can get a ride with them or something. Yeah. But like, let's not worry about it too much. Let's just get a hostel, yeah. hang out. So Reeb, like he's all about hanging out. And, you know, he mm. didn't want the trip to end. He was he was pretty sad about it. So wow. he got his flight changed to the next day. Mm-hmm. So we had to say goodbye to James that night. Uh, but the three of us had that, that night to... Uh, you know, hang out at the hostel. And, you know, of course we met some young people. Um, we met, we met two girls in a van, uh, right when we got there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it turned out one of them was driving back, uh, to, uh, somewhere in Canada, but she was driving right through Whitehorse. Oh, perfect. Um, I can't remember exactly where she was going back to. I feel bad now because we spent, you know, like a week yeah. but either way um so yeah it was just like super convenient yeah uh, and yeah we had a little road trip another trip you know another road trip back uh through canada and to whitehorse to pick up my car and yeah wow that was that was it and so you and chris rode back together to whitehorse right yeah chris and i and uh this girl ashley uh-huh. who he was the one who was driving back. She had a job she was starting. Mm. Um, and so we, she had her van. She, she had bought this van to just kind of do a little road trip. There was like a bed in the back of it. And we were like, all right, let's take this van. Let's make sure your van, you know, has, has what it takes to get there. So yeah. before we left the hostel, we checked her oil. She has uh, no oil. She has absolutely <laughs> no oil. And I was like, how did you get here? What is, oh when was God. the last time you had this? It's like, I'm, I've never done it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we get oil and everything. So, yeah, we, we drove her van mm-hmm. uh, 
kind of in shifts to Whitehorse. Mm. And then, you know, we became, we became friends. So once we picked up my car, she was like, well, I don't want to like just drive by myself. Where are you guys going? <laughs> like, well, we're, we're going to go down to Olympia to see Reed, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so she kind of followed us down. We were going to go to Vancouver. Um, but my girlfriend was flying into Seattle and changed her flight early, like unexpectedly. So mm. it was like, okay, well, we can't go to Vancouver now. So, you know, <clears throat> we're going to go straight to, straight to uh, Washington. Yeah. And then say goodbye there. But it's kind of cool because the trip just kind of like kept on, kept on going for us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Chris, Chris went with you down to Seattle then. He went and then went the day that I went to go pick up uh, Nicole, mm-hmm. he um, he flew out and wow. he bought his like that day, you know, wow. very spontaneous. Yeah, wow. And so he's back in Austin now. I don't. You know what's Is funny? He? I haven't talked to him. <laughs> I've called him. I've called him and texted him, and I, I, he like hasn't returned my calls, which is kind of a bummer. Huh. I think he's in Houston. His plan was to really? go to Houston. And save up and buy a van and wow. adventure van. And I, wa- I want to know about it. I hope he's huh. doing it. I want him to do it. Yeah. But I haven't heard. And I, I actually just texted him about the water safari footage. Uh-huh. Um, and again, haven't heard back. So I'm going to just have to pass. Huh. You know, he kind of, he, he's on his own wavelength. So I got to, yeah. I got to, you know, call him and hassle him and be like, hey, man. Right. You've got to, <laughs> what, you... what are your plans? But, right. Yeah, you've got to, you might need like a, uh, you got to put out the psychic connection for the magic mind. I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's hard, it's hard coming back from a trip because right. like things, you can get depressed sometimes. It's like, all right, right now I'm, now I'm back working and right. know, paying bills and you know what, you know. So. Back to the grind maybe, you know, like, exactly. yeah. And, and so I hope that's, I hope that's not where he's at right now. Yeah. But I, I definitely know the feeling. Yeah. What do you do to kind of, you know, I guess, elevate your spirits whenever you're back and you're kind of back in the grind? What do you do to bring yourself out of it? And how's it been for you since you've been back? This has been the transition has been so weird because I've, you know, I I had a I had a bunch of trips even after the Yukon. So I. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I drove, you know, I drove my car all the way from Austin up, up to the Yukon. Uh-huh. We drove it back to Washington uh, Nicole came out and met me and we went, uh, camping on the Olympic peninsula out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I drove back to Minnesota where mm-hmm. then it turned out Reed was going back the same weekend. So he extended his stay and we hit a trip up to the boundary waters for a week. Um, oh, wow. which was awesome. That's great. And then I drove with my parents out to San Francisco uh, stopping in Salt Lake City to grab all my stuff from the storage unit, mm-hmm. uh, and then now I'm living in San Francisco. So it's really wow. been. You know, I'm just getting accustomed to it here. It's been almost two months in the city, and that is the biggest transition. You know, you, you talk about like contrasting, uh, you know, environments. Alaska, yeah. there's no one. To now San Francisco, where there's everyone. Um, it's it's different, but it's it's new and it's refreshing and. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm surfing and we're going on, we went out to Big Sur, we've been taking motorcycle rides. And, um, so it's still very new to me. So I don't feel like I'm, I don't, I don't have that feeling. And, and of course, uh, daydreaming and planning the next trip helps kind of keep your, yeah. 
Yeah, I bet. What do you, do you have something in mind? Yeah, keep keep the wheels turning. Have something in motion helps. Just even if it's a fantasy, it's like, right? You know, keep keep the wheels turning. Keep keep thinking about it because that helps you kind of stay. Fo- or it helps me stay focused and not uh, get weighed down by like the day to day. But I really love my job. I'm bartending at a cool place and having a ton of fun there. Um, That's and, great. And, yeah. Yeah, like I'm just, I'm really having a good time. So, yeah, uh, I think if I would have went back, I miss Austin. You know, I miss yeah. all, all everyone there. But had I gone back there, I feel like maybe I would have got those little post trip blues. Yeah. Hmm. Do you have a uh, a dream that you're thinking of, a, a next trip or a next adventure that you have in mind? Always, man. Yeah. <laughs> what are you thinking about? Um, you know, I have a few. Th- I think a hike again would. Yeah. would- would be good um you know we've been nicole and i have been kicking around the idea of doing the Teeroa, which is out in new zealand oh wow and i've never heard I, of that yeah yeah it's like 1800 miles and basically you hike both islands you go from the southern tip of the south island all the way up to the northern tip of the north island hmm. um i i haven't looked into it a whole lot because i know that wouldn't be happening for another year um so i'm basically back here kind of saving and working um and scheming um but now, with all my trips combined, I should have all the gear I need. So yeah. now it's just a plane ticket or transportation costs and things like that. So yeah, yeah, the C, you know, the CDT is another one I've wanted to do. Um, just doing kind of maybe another big hike because you know, it's very transformative. It's mm-hmm. like it's a crazy experience to do it through hike and be out there for that long and. <clears throat> want that feeling again yeah uh, what's the cdt what does it stand for that's the continental divide trail. Oh, continental divide trail okay cool so you're going like through uh the, the colorado and, yeah uh, and other, yeah, other yeah. yeah where does it start does it start in new mexico uh it does yeah so it's like it's kind of like you know you're going mexico to canada again <clears throat> but you're like new mexico colorado wyoming montana yeah wow yeah that would be amazing it would be. It's long. It's a long one. It's hard. It's it? you know, a lot more route finding. You know, there's parts that are incomplete. It's not as complete mm. as the AT or the PCT, and of course, it's longer, mm. um, which is, which would is, is challenging. You know, I want that's what dri- drives me to, or draws me in to want to do it. Right. Yeah. But mm. who knows? That, that's another. That's a six month long right. trip. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well. Man, it's been amazing hearing about this. Um, you know, I know that we had we had spoken a little bit uh, last week, kind of getting prepared for this interview, and and it sounds like you know we were both looking forward to um, I think kind of recounting of this journey and and uh, and hearing what you experienced along the way, and I'm I'm really really happy that you shared it with us, um, and I think you know your your attitude and the way that you uh, approach taking these big trips and also like the way that you live your life, I think is really cool. And I, I hope that you keep it up and just, yeah, continue to have some amazing journeys. Uh, and I, I hope to join you on one at some point. I really do. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I, I gotta get, I gotta get abroad actually. Well, I gotta get out of my comfort zone and go abroad. So, um, you know, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? You gotta yeah. keep an you gotta keep an eye out. I heard about a really cool uh, motorcycle uh, mm. trip out there that goes through. I don't know if it's the Alps or if it goes through like Switzerland, which is obviously where the Alps are. But um, really, 
somebody was telling me about it and I gotta I gotta narrow down the details on that one because that oh, would yeah. be um maybe that maybe that's it all this paddling and hiking why don't we just sit and <laughs> ride just get on a bike yeah uh, <laughs> I'm down for that or and maybe a little bit of a little bit of everything you know um I've been thinking about the um the the northern desert in Africa a lot and I guess I get inspired Ooh. by by some different cultural things too like I really I've been finding myself like interested in you know going to a place and finding out what's going on there with like a certain group of people and there's um these different music groups from um the the region between Niger and Mali the um uh, they're uh it's like a, they call it like Toreg blues or Malian blues and um and it's basically like this group of nomadic people who have this amazing like guitar style um, and they've been kind of in a shit situation for a while. Um, but I know some people who have gone down there to the region and I just, I think that it would be, it would be kind of an incredible journey and hopefully be able to meet some, some of these people and be able to just experience a little bit of what it's like there. Um, that's something I've been thinking about, but that might be something that could be an amazing, uh, who knows, an amazing motorcycle trip or. That would, that would be wild. Yeah. Know. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to share a quote with you um, that I uh, discovered while I was on the Yukon as well that really sums up um, and kind of ties back into what we were talking about, um, about like the mindset on the trail and also just kind of on that trip in general, which meant a lot to me um, yeah. just because of how like, you know, intense I am sometimes and kind of reminds me to slow down. Mm. Um it starts, uh, mountains should be climbed with as little effort as possible and without desire. The reality of your own nature should determine the speed. If you become restless, speed up. If you become winded, slow down. You climb the mountain in an equilibrium between restlessness and exhaustion. Then, when you're no longer thinking ahead, each footstep isn't just a means to an end, but a unique event in itself. To live only for some future goal is shallow. It's the sides of the mountain which sustain life, not the top. Here's where things grow. Mm, and that, is, that is from Robert Persig, uh, who wrote, who recently, actually he just died, I, I think it was this year, uh, if not last, I guess I should fact check. Mm. Uh, and that was a little bit paraphrased, there's some more in there, um, but what I take away, and he, he of course wrote um, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, mm. a lot of quotes that come out of that book, but what that meant to me was like, you know, when you're when you're doing some anything hiking a trip going through life doing anything uh, you know you shouldn't be you shouldn't be looking towards the end like if you're truly enjoying something you should enjoy it in the moment and what it's for and enjoying the things around you um, not just hoping to get to that next you know checkpoint or campsite for me you know it's like right. not just trying to crush miles and really taking the time to enjoy what's around us um, and, and then you're not, especially when it gets hard, you're not miserable and, and you're really, uh, you're, you fully are encapsulated in the experience and taking a lot more away from it than just, you know, I did this thing. I, don't, I didn't really see a lot along the way because I, you know, but I, but I did it. Right. That's kind of, that's, that, that, that's one that I took away from that book that uh, really kind of struck a chord with me. So I thought I'd share that with you yeah, and all these your adventurers out there. That's so good. Thank you so much for sharing that. All right, folks. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ryan Dotson and his story about their trip down the Yukon River. 
I'll be back next time with more adventures and thoughts with the Fortuna Monsoon podcast. Until then. <laughs>